Welcome to the Wow Community Jokes. Welcome back to our series of Seize the 167, following Jesus every hour of the week. We're looking at how to follow Jesus by being the church, not just coming together as the church, but being the church, mobilizing and declaring that Jesus is the Messiah from house to house. And that's exactly what we looked at last week. And since then, um, I've just been challenged with this thought that although we're not meeting together under one roof, under a physical building, we're still meeting together under one name. That just blows me away when I think of it that way. And I've kind of been given these visuals. Uh, I was picturing kind of the writing of Jesus is the Messiah, as the roof. And then us gathered underneath in the church with the doors open and light bursting forth. Kind of just declaring that church isn't about being gathered under one roof. It's about being gathered under one name. I've seen some other churches, Redwood Park uh, up in Thunder Bay, they had one that just says, be the church with arrows going everywhere. Uh, another one is that I saw on Facebook this week was the church building that was made up of just all people. And I just love that visual because I think from time to time, we can kind of lose sight of what church is. And we think it's a program and a commodity and this place we go to, but really the church is the body of Christ. And I'm excited that we can gather digitally together to continue to spur one another on and to continue to equip one another to be the church and mobilize one another to continue to declare that Jesus is the Messiah from house to house. Uh, some cool things that I've seen churches doing, one of our churches, uh, First Alliance Church in Calgary, they have a huge facility. That's where we had our general assembly a couple years ago and they've actually turned their church into a homeless shelter and they've opened their doors they have some showers that they built in there and uh, they're actually able to minister in that way and that just again encourages me to see some some cool things happening with church buildings especially while we can't meet in them right now but last week we ended with the apostles getting beaten and then going out and rejoicing they, they were beaten for the fact that they were declaring that Jesus is the Messiah, but then they rejoice. And it's kind of like a head scratcher, like, what? And what they understood, though, is that their lives were now fully joined to the life of Christ. That they actually got to experience some of the suffering that they had just witnessed Jesus going through. And there's this appreciation for, okay, this is some of the cost of following Jesus. But you know what? That doesn't change the fact that he is still our Lord and Savior. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into to what's going on tonight to see how it applies to our culture. Because we have to be careful how we kind of navigate our COVID-19 situation and look at how they're navigating kind of this exilic in this church and exile period. Because although there may be similarities, we're also very different. Uh, we're, we're battling a, a virus. They're battling actual powers and oppressors and are being beaten. Uh, we're just being asked to stay at home. So we need to do use uh, some caution as we kind of look at how the early church applies to our situation. But I think there are some principles that are going to jump out tonight that uh, 
will just make you sit back and be like, wow, we have an awesome God. Um, I know that some people, some pastors have taken offense to the fact that church isn't classified as an essential. This is to help us. If we were considered an essential, the scary thing is we'd still be gathering together and we'd still be spreading the virus. But just know that church, we are essential, but the way of doing church is flexible. And that's where I appreciate your flexibility with how we've gone about navigating the changes as well and that you're still willing to tune in online and gather with us. But trust me, we are an essential. Church is an essential, and we will be an essential for our communities and our neighborhoods in the days ahead, because we're going to have to care for people, walk with people, pray for people. And when we're allowed to gather again, we're going to gather together with people who are hurting, who are suffering, who are grieving, and we're going to get the opportunity to point them toward the hope that we have in Jesus. We're going to get to show them God's love. So we need to be careful how much we tie our exilic state of isolation into the exilic state and the oppression of the New Testament. But there are some similarities with the exile and our culture, with this post-Christian culture, because there are people who who want the church to go away, but that's not going to happen. You see, just as this was a new movement of following Jesus, and it was taking off and rapidly growing and changing, I think that we would all agree that we too are in this season right now where our movement of following Jesus is rapidly changing. And I would even say growing because we're actually reaching people via Facebook and YouTube and our website that we'd never reached before. And if that's you, welcome, join us, you're in good company. But like anything, as, as things grow and develop and evolve, even just within your family, uh, there are going to be challenges. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be fights. And tonight we're going to see the beginning of some of that taking shape in, in this, the formation of this early church. And some of the fracture lines are going to begin showing, which forces them to have to navigate some of these challenges. But here's the point that I want to drive home tonight. Methods are always going to be changing but the message of Jesus will always stay the same. I'll say it again. Methods are always changing, but the message of Jesus will always stay the same. So tonight, I want us to unpack the text of Acts chapter 6. And I also want us to unpack this question of how can we stay focused on the message of Jesus while caring for others? Because that's what we're called to do, and that's what we're going to be required to do in the days ahead. So if you're interested in listening to any of the the messages leading up to tonight, feel free to check out our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash thewellcommunitychurch, or you can also find them on our website or podcasts. But we're going to be picking up where we left off last week, and that's Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1 and reading through verse 7. If uh, you want to open your Bible now or your Bible app and join with me, that would be awesome. And if you need a Bible, go to the Bible.com slash app, and that will download one specifically for your device. But open your Bibles and read with me. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. 
The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the Twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles, who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted. So you probably didn't notice, unless you're reading from a different translation, but the very first verse says, as the believers rapidly multiplied. The word that's actually used there is disciple. And what's interesting about that is this is the very first time the word disciple is used for just a follower of Jesus. The disciples were always known as the 12 who followed Jesus, but now for the first time, it refers to anyone who follows Jesus. And that's an exciting change, but like I mentioned, as things are growing and developing and it's doing so at a rapid pace, as they're sharing everything and have formed this new family, it's starting to show signs of tension between the two groups in the church. You have the Hebrew-speaking believers, and you have the Greek-speaking believers. And what does this mean? Why are there two groups? So let me explain. The Hebrew-speaking believers are the ones who who are from Jerusalem. They've grown up there. They've lived there. The Greek-speaking believers would be Jewish descendants from distant lands. When Jerusalem was uh, uh, taken over in 587-586 BC, There was the diaspora, where the believers were spread to outer lands, beyond the Holy Land. And that's what these uh, Greek-speaking believers, that's where they would be from. That's who they would be and why there would be a difference between the two groups. But now they've come back together. And if you remember in Acts chapter 2, it says that they, they came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Festival of Weeks or Pentecost. Uh, But also, the reason there were so many widows is because it was believed that it was more holy or righteous to be buried in the Holy Land. So families who were part of the diaspora, at the end of their life, they would come back so they could die there and be buried. But then it would leave widows behind who needed to be taken care of. So that's kind of where this detention and divide between these two groups exist. But as... It just makes sense. These Greek-speaking believers, they wouldn't be as well-known. They're, they're newer to the area. They're not from the area. They don't, don't know as many people. So you can see that they're watching the Hebrew-speaking believers saying, wait, they're, they're getting a bit more than we are. We're not being taken care of. So the complaints and the grumblings begin to spread. So the 12, the the apostles, the representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel, they come together to discuss next steps. And the question that they're faced with and that we're faced with still today, it comes from the heart of the community. and, And it's a question that says, who will take care of us? 
who's going to take care of us? And the question confronts them with the truth of the gospel. And it confronts them with, do you believe what you're preaching? Because you're preaching that we need to take care of one another and the orphans and the widows. But who's taking care of us? Do you believe this? And I love their response. Because not only do they recognize that, yeah, we need to take care of them. They develop and discern how they can properly care for people while staying focused on the message of Jesus. So what they do is prioritize, focus, and bless. So the very beginning, prioritize. They, they have to wrestle through what's at stake here. What, what's most important? What, what matters to us? What's the heartbeat of our movement? And their answer is spreading the good news of Jesus. That's what matters at the end of the day. But they still knew that they had to care for these widows. But they knew that their priority was prayer and teaching the word of God. They understood their why. But they didn't stop there. They knew that part of the gospel was taking care of others. So what did they do? They organized. They, they get others to choose seven men who are well-respected, full of the spirit and wisdom. Now, I know some people don't like organized religion. There, there's hurts that come with it. Uh, I get it. I've seen blessings and I've seen the hurts that sometimes it has caused. But at the end of the day, church is family. And even in families, we have arguments and fights and hurts and disagreements. And, but we stay united and we work through them. And if we're going to grow, if we're going to expand, if we're going to truly reach people with the good news of Jesus, it's going to take organizing. We see it right here at the beginning of this movement of following Jesus. But what's more is that what we see from the list of names here of these seven people is that they're all Greek names. And I love this because what that means is that they are all from the minority. They're from the offended minority. And this is huge because oftentimes people with power push the, the marginalized to the side, especially if they're complaining minorities. It's kind of like, no, we got a handle on this. But here they are, are saying, okay, we hear you and we're giving this over to you. We entrust you and want you to look after it. One scholar suggests that this may be the first recorded instance of what we might today call affirmative action. Isn't it awesome? It's like, they're like, man, our people aren't taken care of. And we're, we're going to appoint you then to make sure that everyone's taken care of. I didn't and what I love is that their focus is on their mission. Their focus is on the mission and the task at hand. The apostles knew what they needed to do. They needed to focus on prayer. They needed to focus on teaching. So they develop what I'm going to call a ministry team. They, they de develop them so that they can take on the responsibility of distributing food. And it may seem simple, but I love their focus. They recognize that they can't be all things to all people, so they don't try to be. Kerry Newhoff, he's a pastor up in Barrie, and he has this great quote that says, leaders that try to be all things to all people often end up being nothing to no one and lose their effectiveness in the process. And I'm going to admit that this is a challenge for me. I sometimes find it much easier to go off and go through a checklist and do things 
that to sit with the word of God and to let it speak to me and absorb it and understand it in a way that I can communicate it to how it's applying to our situation today. But I also struggle with wanting to, to be everything for everyone, wanting to do everything and have my hand in everything. And I've, I've been continually learning over and over that I just can't do that. And if when I first moved to Binbrook, if you had have asked me why we we're here, who we were going to reach, I was just going to say everyone. I, I'm wanting all of Binbrook, 100% of them. But I then had to be humbled and realize that I'm not going to save the world, right? And while, yes, we are here for everybody, we are for everybody, we want to share the good news with everybody, and we'll welcome anybody who comes through our door, we have to look at the reality of life. In fact, Facebook only has 68% of the American population signed up. Instagram only has 35%. These are two huge powerhouses that you would think so many people are on. But if Instagram only has a 35% adoption rate, why would I think I could have 100%? And the reason I, br I bring this whole struggle up is it reminds me of the apostles' focus here. They were focused. They knew what their task was and they remained focused on it. Their focus was to prayer and to teaching the word of God. And this is my number one focus. So that we can make Jesus known. So that he will transform lives and communities. That's the good news. That's the good news that we have to share. And that's the good news that will continue to spread throughout our communities as we stay focused on our priorities. By staying focused on what God's called me to do it has actually allowed me to stop doing backflips, trying to, to please everyone and trying to do everything for everyone. And I think what's more is that it's actually opened up more opportunities. As I've said no to some really good things, some great things have developed. And actually just this past week, Eugene helped me put together a care team for our church. And I'm so excited for what this is, is opening up because especially in this time of physical distancing, we wanted to connect with you to ensure that you're doing well, that you're cared for, that you're being prayed for during, during the season. So Eugene worked hard to de develop some people to, to reach out and, and call one another. So as a heads up, you're going to be contacted soon by someone on the care team, just seeing how you're doing physically, emotionally, spiritually. If there's anything you need that we can help with, if there's anything we can pray for you for, simply we want to let you know you're not alone, that you matter, that, that we love you, we care for you. And if you think you might not be on our list, if you haven't received any emails, fill out our digital connection card that's in the description. Uh, we'd love to connect with you as well and pray with you and see how you're doing. But what's more is that once this ministry team here in Acts formed, the apostles laid their hands on them and prayed for them. And this wasn't an imparting of the Holy Spirit because we saw earlier that that uh, that's one of the requirements, that they were already to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But what this was, was blessing them. In the Old Testament, the laying on of hands communicated blessing. This 
this idea of ordaining them to the work that they've been called for and uh, appointed to, selected for, set aside for. And I don't believe it just applies to church ministry, that we can be ordained and set aside to go into the world and share the good news wherever God has called and placed us. And although the word deacon isn't specifically used in this passage, they're pretty much being appointed deacons. They're the first deacons of the early church. And I don't know what understanding you have of the word deacon, but try and get rid of all the baggage that may be with it from different traditions. And simply deacon means helper or servant. So what I love about this picture is that they're being blessed to go and serve. They're being blessed and appointed and set aside to go and care for people, to care for others. And what I love now is in verse 7, we're given a progress report. It's kind of an update from Luke, if you will. And by prioritizing prayer and teaching, by focusing on the needs and developing and blessing a ministry team, God's message continued to spread. And that's what we want to do here in Binbrook, is that we want to be able to focus on what God's called us to so that his message can continue to spread. They're not growing the church. God is the one who's growing the church, but he's using their ministry as the primary way of doing so. So the point is this, the good news continued to spread. So what does this mean for us today? Let me put it this way. Let's continue to spread the good news of Jesus, not the germs. And what I mean by this is like what I mentioned at the beginning. I, I shake my head at pastors who are refusing to stop meeting in their buildings. There were two pastors down in the U.S. arrested this past week for defying stay-at-home orders. And here's why it frustrates me. is because we're not being persecuted. We're not being discriminated against. We're simply being called to protect one another by staying at home. And as followers of Jesus, not only should we respect and obey our governing authorities who are trying to protect us, but as followers of Jesus, we ought to be the first ones. We've got to be ahead of the game on putting other people first out of our love for neighbor. You see, methods will change but the message of Jesus stays the same. No one's telling us to stop preaching Jesus. No one's telling us to stop sharing the good news. We're simply being called to do it through a different method. And the example that comes to mind is, is music. We used to have records and then we had cassettes and we had CDs and MP3s. And it's all the same song, no matter which method you have. But with record players and, and CDs and cassettes, you need to have the physical, the physical tape or CD and you have to have the player to be able to put it in. But now I can pick up my phone and just download a song and listen to it like that. And it's the same song as if it was on a record. Because you see, the message stays the same, but the methods are always changing. This new season that we're navigating, that we're entering into as a digital church, is simply a different method, but we're still preaching the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. The hope, love, joy, and peace that we have to share with the world hasn't changed. 
It was still the same 2,000 years ago. It was still the same three weeks ago. It's still the same today. But what has changed is how we're going to mobilize in order to share that good news with our neighbors and with the world. God's message will continue to spread and the number of believers will greatly increase. I firmly believe that. So last but not least, this very line of this very last line of verse 7 is so interesting. And it says that many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And why this is so interesting to me is because the movement so far has been a movement moving away from the temple, but now it seems to be working its way back into the temple. So what's going on? Well, as I've sat with this, I believe what God's up to is that He's continuing to work from the inside out. Following the way of Jesus transforms us from the inside out. Just as this whole movement begins in Jerusalem, inside the temple, and then to the porch, and then to Judea, and to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, it's this inside out movement. And it's as we surrender our lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior, as the true King of the world, that he uses us to transform the lives of those around us too. But it's an inside out movement. And I just thought, what better way to spread the message than by changing the hearts of the leaders? That as some of these priests who, who come to understand these gospel truths and, and follow the way of Jesus, how they're going to influence and shape and change the people that they're leading. What better way to, to move from the inside and work out? And for anyone who's listening to this or watching this, that, and it sounds like, well, that's nice, but I'm a mess. Well, you're in good company because so am I. I'm a mess. I've got flaws. Just ask my wife and my kids, especially now we're living together. Actually, don't ask them. I don't want them to be too honest. But here's the good news. You are loved. You've always been loved and you will always be loved. Even when you're a mess. You see, we don't do these good things, caring for people, sharing the hope of Jesus in order to win God's love. We do these things because we are loved. And when you understand just how loved you are, that will change how you go about your day-to-day life. That will transform you from the inside out. The more you understand how much you're loved, the bigger the difference you're going to make. I'm a mess, and I'm loved. So are you. But here's the thing. We've got to accept it. We've got to, to receive God's love. We're being offered the best relationship there is. Every day throughout this COVID-19 experience, we're learning and relearning just how much we're, we're designed and made for relationships. And while ideally they'd be in-person relationships, incarnational relationships, during this situation of physical distancing, we're discovering just how much we're longing to connect with people. In fact, the, the founder of Zoom, his wealth has gone up $4 billion over the last three months because that's how much 
people are needing to connect with one another, longing to connect with one another. $4 billion over the last three months. That's huge. And that shows us just how much we need each other, just how much we, we need one another. But the best news is that Jesus offers us relationship too. As much as some of my friends can provide, my wife, my, my kids, like, they're awesome. I love them completely. But my relationship with Jesus, oh, it's far greater than anything I've ever experienced or could imagine. He offers us this relationship to be with us. In fact, we celebrate at Christmas that he came to be with us and he still does come to be with us and he longs to be in relationship with us. He longs to, to transform our hearts from the inside out to fill us with love, joy, peace, hope. But will you surrender your life to him? Will you make him first in your life? And out of your understanding of being unconditionally loved by God, will you love others? I don't know exactly what this is going to look like for you, how, how the methods are going to change during this time of physical distancing. But what I do know is that while methods change, the message of Jesus, the love, the hope always stays the same. This season just requires us to think different. But we first have to accept the love of Jesus and his free gift of grace. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Will you say yes to him? I just want to close in a word of prayer. And I invite you to use this time now and the time over the next several weeks as we practice physical distancing out of a posture of love to lean in to Jesus. Evaluate where your relationship's at with him. Maybe you've wandered off. Maybe you've never had one. I invite you to, to lean into him, look for him, talk to him, ask him to reveal himself to you. Methods will change, but the message of Jesus stays the same, and that's that you are loved, and he longs to be in a relationship with you. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, I just, I thank you for your son, Jesus. And I thank you even for the gift of one another that we have each other to go through life with and that we can support each other as we navigate this journey of following your son. God, thank you for loving us in such a way that you, you come to us in the middle of the mess, that you love us in spite of everything we've done, everything we've thought, everything we've said. God, not only that, but you, you love us so much that you don't leave us in the middle of the mess, but you transform us from the inside out. God, move us from a place of despair, place of lostness, place of hopelessness, and move us toward a place of transformation, of love, of peace, of joy. God, Move us toward others. God, forgive me of the mistakes I've made. Forgive me of those times that I've messed up. Help me to live the, the way you've created me to live with you as the king. 
God, I'm asking you to help help me. God, I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. Save me by your grace and for your purpose. And God, help me to learn to love you and trust you in the days ahead. And help me to spread that love to others. God, while we're in this season of physical distancing from one another, help us to continue to remain united. To remain connected to one another, caring for one another. Help us to spread the unchanging message of hope and love of Jesus with those we can, albeit through different methods. Show us where and how we can do this. Help us to care for those that you've entrusted to us and who you've brought into our lives. Help us be the church wherever we can. But God, most of all, help us prioritize our relationships with you. May we make the most of each moment in the time that we have. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. And if you've accepted Jesus, that that's amazing. Congratulations. And let us know again by filling out a digital connection card. There's a checkbox on there that says, I'm starting a relationship with Jesus. Uh, we want to journey with you. We want to pray with you and help you any way that we can. Um, we just want to celebrate with you. I, it's so hard doing this digitally because I, I don't have a reaction to feed off of or to see and to celebrate. But I know there are exciting things happening and that God is working hard behind the scenes and in our hearts. So I'm looking forward to the days that we can come back together in person, that we can celebrate as the Well Community Church. But for now, I just invite you to continue following the suggested order of worship. Um, thank you for your generosity and your giving to the Well. I know it's not as easy when we don't have the, the bucket to pass around, but um, thank you for the online donations. Um, and we'll continue to keep you up to date as uh, we prepare an emergency budget for the next three months and navigate the, the days ahead. Uh, also, just last but not least, there's, a, there's another video that we're posting this week. Alex has developed a uh, communion video to talk about how we can practice communion at home, perhaps with our kids. Uh, so we'll release that. It's going to be in the link in the description as well. Watch that throughout the week. But also next week, with it being Easter, we're actually going to have an opportunity to have communion together. Uh, so following the message, there's gonna be a Zoom link and you're invited to join us on Zoom where we can actually see one another, we can talk to one another. Chris is gonna lead us in a couple songs and then we're actually gonna participate in communion together. So I'm so excited for that. I hope you can join us next Saturday. The service starts at five. We maybe call it the after party. It will probably start around 5, 5.40, 5.45. But as we leave here tonight, I just pray that the grace and peace of Jesus fills your heart and transforms your life. Amen. <laughs>